Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where it is Election Day in Georgia, and the control of the United States Senate hangs in the balance. Will Kelly Leffler and David Perdue win, or will John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, the Democrats, win? We don't know, but it will determine who controls the Senate for the next two years. Those are the high stakes. And if that's not dramatic enough for you, guess what? Tomorrow, the fate of the 2020 election gets finally resolved. It, too, hangs in the balance as more than 100 House members and at least 14 U.S. senators plan to object to certain states and their electors uh, that are currently declared for Joe Biden. We don't know what that means right now. My own uh, reporting uh, indicates that there are enough votes, Democrats and defecting Republicans, to approve Joe Biden as president and in the disputed elector states. However, uh, on our shows, on the Just the News TV shows yesterday at Real America's Voice, my good friends at Real America's Voice, uh, we... Uh, had Jenna Ellis, one of the president's most important campaign attorneys. And here's what she said. She said uh, there is an idea that they have divined that they believe is completely constitutional, completely legal, in which Vice President Pence decides to count all the votes except for the six states that have been in dispute. And uh, he goes, and instead of counting those votes or opening the elector's envelopes, he simply goes and says, I'm sending these back to the state legislators, the state, six state legislatures. And let me give you the states, Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, and Georgia, and says, I want you, the legislators, because you're the constitutional power that declares electors, to tell me given all the controversies in your state, given that many of your legislators have written me, the vice president, saying they doubt the results that have been certified in their states, which slate of electors do you want chosen? Do you want Joe Biden's elector seated? Do you want uh, Donald Trump electors seated? And give them a few days, certainly well before January 20th, Inauguration Day, to inform them of the decision. And if the states give them a decision, Mike Pence will follow the will of the legislature and count them. And if uh, they don't, uh, those states won't get counted. And the question will come down to, will there be enough votes for anyone to have 270 uh, electors on uh, the day they resume? And I think Jenna Ellis suggested that they would have this resolved by January 17th so that Joe Biden or Donald Trump would know who's going to be in office on Inauguration Day the 20th. Uh, that's an interesting idea. It is a Trump campaign legal idea. It is not yet the will uh, or idea or embraced uh, uh, idea or execution strategy for Vice President Mike Pence. Here's all we know right to this minute. Mike Pence has issued a statement through his Chief of Staff Mark Short saying that he supports those uh, legislators, those um members of Congress in the U.S. Senate uh, that uh, are going to object to certain slates. He thinks that there's a needed debate on the integrity of this election. He's going to welcome it. That's all he said. He hasn't said what else he's going to do. Now, what do we know about Mike Pence? Historically, he has uh, been a strict constitutional 
uh, person, uh, they call them a strict constitutionalist, does not try to interpret, stretch the Constitution, tries to read it literally as it is written and follow it. He keeps that copy of the Constitution in his pocket at all times, as I remember from days he would come visit me at the Washington Times when I was editor-in-chief. He'd have it in his pocket. This is a man who loves the Constitution. I just don't know. I've talked to lots of lawyers or some lawyers that said, I can see that working. Other lawyers saying, I just don't believe the Constitution gives him that authority. We don't know yet, uh, but that is um, uh, what has played out over the last few hours. And guess what? President Trump today tweeted out a little bit of a tweak to his vice president, his right-hand man, Michael Pence, saying, Mike Pence has the ability to reject the fraudulent votes. Now, again, uh, that's in dispute whether they're fraudulent votes or whether there were irregularities. There are a lot of proof of irregularities. Uh, certainty of fraud is a little bit less uncertain, but there are certainly court-certified instances, at least in Wisconsin, where 200,000 votes are now in question by a Wisconsin Supreme Court ruling. You don't hear that from the mainstream media, but that ruling exists. We wrote about it. We let you read it on Just the News in the dig-in section. There are other places where there are suitcases under tables on videotape. We don't know if that's a normal process or it isn't. I think a lot of people don't think their ballot should be stored in suitcases. We know in Georgia that 36 voter machines were cracked open early and their cards taken out early. We don't know why. So uh, there are irregularities in these very specific states. We had Jesse Jacob, the whistleblower in Michigan, in the city of Detroit, talk about not a day or two of fraudulent activity, but an entire month of fraudulent activity in the city of Detroit. Uh, so there are real irregularities. Now the question is, is there anything constitutional that can be done about it? So we're going to do two things for you today. First, we're going to get one of the members who will be on the floor tomorrow objecting uh, to certain states' electors. Devin Nunez, the former House Intelligence Committee chairman, the California Republican House member, and the most recent, and when I mean recent, I mean yesterday recent, recipient of the Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian honor an American get. He was awarded that yesterday by President Trump. He's here. We're going to talk about the medal because that's such an amazing opportunity and the very cogent words he said about the failure of the news media in America to be honest brokers. We're going to talk about that, but we're also going to ask him, what is going to happen tomorrow on the floor? We're going to get a firsthand account from Devin Nunez, what he thinks will happen, what he's thinking what he himself is going to do and why he's doing it. We're going to get that. And then I want to give you a different look at uh, some of these irregularities and questions. And so we have a group of military uh, intelligence analysts, people who were trained in the service of our country for intelligence or military agencies who've gone through the raw data of the election in the six states, uh, the, the data that the secretaries of state made public, Used, and they're going to give us their best analysis of what they see. They're not, they see things that haven't been reported. And this isn't from some media outlet or from some videotape that's a suspect. These are official data counts from the states, the six states that we've been talking about. And we're going to have two members of the Data Integrity Group here in just a second um, uh, to talk about what they found. So uh, we're going to go right to commercial break with two interviews. We want to get as much time on this interview, so I'm not going to do a long monologue. You've got the latest news with these two historic days coming up. Georgia settled today. The presidential election settled tomorrow. We're going to have some pretty big players in on both here to talk about it over the next few hours. Um, but first, 
Let's go hear from our great advertisers and sponsors, the people that make this show possible. We love them. We support them. If you want to help Just the News and John Solomon Reports keep growing and uh, getting better, then by all means, please support their products and services. When we come back, first up, Congressman Devin Nunes, the former House Intelligence Committee chairman, the man who unraveled the Russia scandal, the most recent recipient of the Medal of Freedom, and a man who will be on the floor objecting tomorrow to some of the election results from 2020, the November 3rd election. He joins us, Devin Nunes, right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a man who just got the highest civilian award you can get in America. Congressman Devin Nunes, the latest winner of the Medal of Freedom, is here to join us. Uh, Congressman, congratulations on your award yesterday. Well, John, thank you uh, very much. And I would like to say that this is a... It's an award for the people that I represent and also an award that you'll be very familiar with, uh, the staff that was on yes. our Russia hoax team and also the Republican members on the Intelligence Committee because, you know, we were attacked for so, so long. You so were. It's, it's really it's phenomenal that the president uh, gave me uh, this great award, but I think this is one of those cases where really it was a it was a team effort and the team deserved the award. I just happened to be the guy that was in charge of that. Well, in an era where you hear lots of me and I in politics, I never heard any me or I yesterday. You were talking about other people and then you turned to a subject that I think is so important and that's the information warfare era that we're living in. What inspired you to talk about this alliance between the intelligence, law enforcement and news media and Democrats? Uh, you know, it's a, an unusual, it's a great opportunity to have this public stage for a moment and you really... Uh, it showed a real deep concern for America being disserved by this alliance of disinformation. What inspired you to do that, and what's been the reaction to it? Well, a lot of Americans are saying, what now? What's next? Why aren't these people going going to jail? And so I wanted to, to, to I tried to make the point yesterday in my public remarks that were essentially that for a democratic republic to survive, you have to have faith and trust in the institutions from all sides, the majority side and whatever the minority sides are. So whether that's, you know, having faith in your election system, having faith in law enforcement, having faith with uh, judicial decisions, people have to know that it's that win or lose, that it was done fair and equally and every American was treated the same. And that's what's collapsing 
uh, before our eyes because these institutions uh, are failing us. Whether yeah. that be the whether that be uh, several mini government agencies that we unraveled in the Russia hoax that were involved in this, but also the political operatives are always going to be political operatives. But to make up fake information and feed it to the FBI and have them take it up—that's one thing. That's 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 bad enough. But it it's is also bad. equally yep. bad that the that the media, uh, you know, which is supposed to be—it's a very important institution uh, here in the United States to have a, a free and fair press. But we don't have that because one thing that was proven in the hoax, the Russia hoax, is that the media were in on this deal, and they and and. You know this, John. They had to have known it when they got. They had to when they when they received the dossiers, the the versions. You know the different. Uh, uh, you know every two or three weeks they were they were you know new dossiers were circulating all through 2016. Now no one. This I've been involved in intelligence for ten years. Okay, I would say you know maybe my first you know, two or three or four or five six months of reviewing uh, intelligence and and, and and getting briefings. Would I have maybe been gullible enough to, to take these goofy dossiers? But I, I don't even think that's the case, right? Because I think I would have got the dossier and I would have said, Prague, well, this is easy. Was Cohen in Prague or not? I mean, this is a simple call down to, you know, yeah. look at the passports and, you know, simple validation. Yeah, I've never been in simple and easy, easy stuff that could have been done. So it's just the collapse of institutions, whether it be the media. Uh, the different government and the different government agencies, and then of course you you tack on top of that the the Silicon Valley tech tyrants now yeah. uh, and their ability to censor. So it's very very uh, concerning to me. Uh, and so you know I was I was very I'm very grateful for this recognition that 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 I say we received um, in our whole team, but uh, also I'm very fearful that uh, justice is not going to be served. And the people that run these institutions uh, aren't actually owning up to the degradation that's happening in our country. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was the most poignant thing: the the idea that uh, what we've become, what we've allowed to become acceptable, is misinformation warfare. And uh, you you really made a very cogent point in the speech about that. I wrote about it last night. A lot of people have been talking about it. I've seen a lot of action on Twitter. I think I think you hit something that's in the core of a lot of people's minds. And of course, your your speech yesterday, which took on the media and called them to own up to their failures, comes just less than a week after Gallup had a poll showing that all-time high Americans distrust the media, including 30% that say they don't trust anything that comes from the news media. Never been that high in American history. So you're, 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 the American people have the same concern as you. You can definitely see that. And I should say, though, I did have a little line. You probably, uh, I don't know if you, if you saw it or not, because it was only one line, but, but I did put in there that you know, there are a few reporters that are <laughs> I did trying notice to that. get the facts. So, yes, yes. So I wasn't... Uh, but, but, you know, it truly is very few. It is true. When you yeah. look at it, uh, you know, you were one of the ones that helped to get to the bottom of, of the hoax. And, you know, we couldn't have done it without you. But but there are probably less than 20. You're right. And I, and I mean, That's talking shocking. about, you know, yeah, there were probably less than 20 that actually tried to get to the bottom of the hoax. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, really scary. Yeah, you no, know, it is. Really, really scary it's, stuff. It's a surrender to the truth, and we, we don't, um, or Senator Fawcett, and, and, and a, a, a running from the truth, that scares me so much. But I, I think American public pressure will, over the long haul, begin to uh, to move that there. I want to turn to tomorrow. Tomorrow's a very big day with the certification. Where are you? What are you going to do tomorrow when it's your time to vote on these states? What have you decided to do? Well, we had a uh, about a two-hour, over two-hour meeting this morning with House Republicans. Um, you know, the challenge is going to be to get everybody on the same page. Right. So um, I, there's no one that disagrees uh, that there was fraud. Uh, now, the question is really coming down to, is it constitutional uh, or not? And right. I think so you've got some people who are saying that this isn't constitutional. On the other hand, you have folks like me who are saying, look, I just have basic questions that I want answered. And one of the simple things uh, really is the uh, these suitcases coming out from underneath the table yep. and being loaded up and then processed after everybody was asked to go home. Now, look, that could be totally normal. And it's been explained as totally normal. But what I saw over the last couple of days, you had the Washington Post leak out a phone call that the President of the United States had yep. uh, with uh, the Secretary of State of Georgia. Now, that's bad enough that the phone call will be recorded and then and then leaked. Uh, but I would say I would say secondarily, the concern would be that that you've got I, I listened to that recording. And of course, everybody's focused on the president said we only need 11,000 votes. Well, that's just common sense. And then they say, oh, it's impeachment. It's Watergate. He's threatening. Well, yeah, if you actually listen to the whole tape. Yep. And I actually listened to the to the whole thing. Uh, the president was was very very clear on something, and that was, Mr. Secretary, and I'm, I'm obviously just paraphrasing here. Tell me what happened uh, with the suitcases. Tell me what happened with the ballot. And I would say it was a it was a non-answer. He wouldn't answer the president. So if you have the Secretary of State of Georgia talking to the president of the United States, who's asking. A very basic question. Hey, there's videotapes of, of ballots, you know, being come out. What what happened? And if your answer is, well, we've looked into that. Well, look, I'm from California, and I and this is where the constitutional issue comes in. But you know, I'm sorry, I want to have some type of answer to that question. Yeah. I want to know who were the people? Have they been interviewed? Did the FBI look at it? Um, you know, what were those ballots? Because, look, we, we, we know this much, and in, a, in just a handful of states and a handful of counties, uh, you had basically Donald Trump go for hours and not receive any of them. Right. And so I'm not saying that I, that I know 100% that it's fraud, but I'm saying that's very unusual, and what would make me feel a lot better and most Americans feel better is if we actually knew the damn answers to yeah. it. So I'm, I'm looking at this myself state by state. Um, you know, obviously it's going to take, there'll, there'll be several states that, that, that members of, of Congress are going to object to. Mm -hmm. uh, the question will be is, you know, how many will this, will, will there be a senator object to? Right. Um, and I think people have to understand this is going to draw attention to this issue, but ultimately, you know, the votes aren't going to be there uh, right. in, in either the House or the Senate uh, to, to change this. Uh, but I do think it's a, an opportunity for us, for Republicans, to make a stand where we feel we don't have sufficient answers. So for states where you don't see enough answers, you are going to vote um, uh, vote against uh, certification for those states. Is that correct? That's that's correct. And oh. hope that we'll have a debate on that. So yeah. maybe these, these get the answers get debated and there's a re there's a record of. It. Yeah. 
I doubt we'll get the answers if we get to debate, but at least there will be, you know, a case made uh, so that down the road, um, you know, we have the, the, you know, something in an official record. Right. Because right now, the courts have essentially, uh, you know, they've refused to even hear evidence in these cases, yeah. which, is, which is preposterous. To right. Me. There hasn't been a hearing you know, of the look, actual you evidence. You can say there's been, and, and I know, look, there's, I'm not, there's been a lot of complaints that there's been too many cases filed and some of them were, were you know, weren't done the right way. But come on, there's many of them were done the right way. Right. And for the courts just to basically reject these out of hand, yeah. uh, I, I just, I, I think is a problem. And look, everything we've been through over the last four years, knowing how they're willing to corrupt the FBI and the Department of Justice and, and, and our intelligence agencies uh, and everything else, Look, it's just sad that that as a a top Republican on the intelligence uh, committee that I can't answer the questions on whether or not there was fraud or not. That's that's not acceptable. Nobody should think that's acceptable. I get the constitutional arguments that, you know, we're we're stepping into the state's lanes. I I, I get that. And look, California is a disaster. I don't want anybody to have the system that California has. But the American people got a taste of that this year. Yeah, where everybody gets it, mailed a ballot, you know, and it, 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 it just leads to lack of trust in the system when it takes a month to count the vote. Yeah. And that's what we had in the, in, you know, here in the, across the, the in many of the, the tight swing uh, states. So important. Last question, because I know you got to run to a vote. Uh, do you think there will be more declassifications of Russian information? There are still big questions remaining that we need to know, particularly the t- nexus between Hillary Clinton uh, and her email case and the start of the Russia case. Do you think there'll be more declassifications before January 20th? I don't know. I mean, we're still pushing. We have quite a few documents that we'd like to get out. Right. One thing I am you know, saying to people that, you know, this is not – you know, there's not a lot left there that people don't know about, that people aren't aware of. Right. Uh, but we, we really need, but if we don't get it out now, it's probably never going to come out. Um, and then, of course, we, we, you know, everyone's waiting on uh, the Durham investigation. And so the hope is that that uh, Durham's going to be able to finish his work. And I know a lot of people have doubts about that. I still have confidence uh, that Durham is trying to do a, a, a thorough job. Um, I think he's got a you know a stellar track record from everything that I can that I can see, uh, and I think that uh, you know from you know and I've never spoke to Durham, but of course you know we know people that are, you know we know people that have that are you know witnesses and been interviewed and that sort of thing because there are witnesses in, in many cases, right? So there's people right. that are sharing information with us um, that I know that it seems like you know the, the DOJ's over the target. Uh, but look, we still haven't seen the indictments yet, and I think that's what people are, are yeah, waiting for. That's the ultimate uh, accountability that's been lacking all throughout. Well, sir, I know you need to run uh, to a vote. I want to thank you so much for spending the time and all you've done for this country, and congratulations on the Medal of Freedom, uh, a well-earned honor. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot, John. I really appreciate it. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break here from our great advertisers and sponsors and be right back with our next interview with the former intelligence experts of the Data Integrity Group. They've done some interesting analysis of the vote totals in the key disputed states in America. We're going to hear from them next. But first, these messages from our great advertisers and sponsors. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. 
They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, not one, but two very special guests, two data experts uh, that are part of a group formed called the Data Integrity Group. Uh, these, uh, this group surfaced about a week or two ago. They've been doing old-fashioned data analysis on the Secretary of State vote feeds in those six disputed states. And they've come up with some amazing findings. I mentioned a little bit of them uh, in the beginning of the show, but they're here to tell us firsthand what they found. And uh, joining me right now is Justin Mealy, nine-year veteran of the U.S. Navy, worked in the electronic warfare technician area as a cryptologic technician and as an Arabic linguist protecting our country. He also worked at the NSA as a mission manager, somebody on the front lines of data and national security. Justin, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, John. And your colleague is here as well. And what I like about you two guys is you're looking at this data from two perspectives that have highly trained data backgrounds. And Dave Labou is the second one joining us. He is currently getting a master's degree in data science, but he had 12 years in the financial sector uh, doing analytics for places like Viasat, GE Capital, and uh, Cantor Group. So these are big investment firms. They need data they can rely on so that they can make their multi-million and multi-billion dollar investments. So a national security expert, an investment data expert joining us. Dave, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having us. Uh, I have been fascinated uh, uh, by what the Data Integrity Group has done. It's it's just plain, old-fashioned, neutral presentation of facts, the way that a investment manager or an NSA director might need. Uh, and you went through, if I understand correctly, the Secretary of State feeds and the county feeds in these six states and uh, found some pretty compelling, irrefutable things that had happened. Listen, we may not know why they happened yet, but we know they happened. And so why don't we start with your, your sort of your top three findings? You have three pretty clear examples of, of data irregularities. Um, what what are your for, what is a, someone who's a, not a data expert take away from what your uh, original work has found? Sure, yeah, yeah. This the um, the analysis we've been working on. Uh, just to give a little background too before we go into the you know main points about it. It's um, you know a structured analysis that we have um, you know combining you know, uh, data engineering statistical um, methodologies and you know synthesizing these types of approaches to get. Uh, you know, derived insights from what we found in these multiple data sources. And essentially the, you know, the summation of, of what we've found is that there are uh, these irregular patterns in the database uh, for the election voting system that have yet to be explained and are irregular in terms of how election data should flow and is supposed to flow. And, and it would also be inconsistent with anything that we've seen from a uh, corporate data structure uh, small, medium, large enterprise. Um, the, the, to boil it down, basically, what we see happening behind the scenes with vote data um, would not, should not happen. And if it were happening in the financial sector, um, more or less all of these assets would be frozen. They'd be investigated more thoroughly. 
and nothing will be preceded until um, the sort of the, the root cause of these types of uh, discrepancies were um, realized. So that's sort of the high level main point. Uh, I think we can talk to some of the specifics, um, but I'm sure Justin will add one, one out of a little color beyond that. Yeah, let me ask you, Justin, okay. I mean, you, you, you were giving advice to the NSA, to the Navy. If you go to one of your captains in the Navy, you go to one of your supervisors at NSA, how solid is this data analysis that you've done? Would you be willing to tell a captain in the Navy, I trust this data, uh, or an NSA supervisor that this data is actionable to, to take the next step? How good is your analysis? Well, absolutely. So, you know, one thing about that is that that's a very, very big, important part of writing an intelligence report is you have different levels of certainty about the information. You know, you have to give, you have to let them know exactly to what degree you understand that data to be correct and, and that they can form these kind of conclusions based off of those premises, right? So with the data that we have, it is the same data that these states certify with. And that's, that's a really, really important part. So when you have anomalies in data that the state certify with, you're saying that the state is certifying anomalous data. Now, that's the thing is, you know, we're kind of in this position where we believe that our goal here is to just say, look, we found things that some need to be investigated. Some are great indications of fraud and and there are no answers, you know, and our point is not to say necessarily who did what like that, but just to say that if you don't investigate these, then then you're leaving all these unanswered questions about things that affect every aspect of our lives, you know? How we get taxed, who you know, who does what? I mean, it's it, it is such a it's such a big thing in our lives, and yet no attention has been paid to what we actually need to um, do in order to know that this is a certain election, you know. And the other thing is that you know, if you can kind of boil it down, is to say that basically there was fraud in the data, and that the nature of the fraud, you know, if I can kind of say it like this, the nature of the fraud means. You cannot trust the results. You can't say like, oh, well, this candidate, it looks like he lost by a thousand votes, right? You can't really say that because you're looking at post-fraud data. You're looking at post-process data, if you will, you know? So if you run, you know, sort of the the process all the way through, well, you can't go back from bad data to good data. You don't know what the original totals are. Yeah, once it's polluted, it's polluted, right? Exactly. So that's that's all we're saying. We're not saying that, you know, oh, well, this, this candidate actually did win over this candidate, even though the, the tolls are different. We're just saying that the data is so polluted that there's no way you can tell us with any degree of certainty what actually happened. We don't know what happened. Yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating. So let's take one that caught my attention, because this is something I've been reporting on since, believe it or not, Dallas County in Texas in 2018. I looked into a case in Dallas County where the machines kept kicking, uh, I wouldn't call it an error, but an adjudication request, and then a supervisor would have to manually decide which way to count the vote. And so you found this in Georgia where for the first time they're using Dominion voting machines, again, not accusing Dominion of anything, but you found significant evidence of um, uh, supervisors having to regularly adjudicate and decide which way to count a vote. Tell us what you found in that. Okay, real quick, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing about adjudication, first of all, you know, I kind of like don't like the word adjudication. Yeah, it's a bad word, isn't it? In the news. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what, what does it mean? And, you know, really what, what it means is change a ballot. That's what adjudication means. So all you're doing when you're adjudicating something is you're just making sure that you, you're just changing a ballot. Now, the, the idea is having, you know, a Republican and a Democrat and possibly an independent there 
And then they all look at that thing and they change it to what the voter actually intended to do. You know, maybe that ballot was waterlogged, you know, or, you know, maybe they circled something here and put an X here or something like that. They're supposed to determine that intent. But uh, the problem that I have is, you know, specifically in the, the case of Georgia, you literally have a, a person who is in charge of the election there saying that 113,000 ballots were cast, 106,000 were adjudicated. OK, and that first of all, that that uh, interview that he gave was one day later. Right. Right. I believe it was one day later. So after, what county is this are we talking about? Fulton County. Right. OK, so the big one, so, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Richard Barron, Fulton County. And so he said he gave those numbers. And the key number there, 113,000 uh, ballots cast, 106,000 adjudicated. Well, if you were to adjudicate ballots, you know, we interviewed all these adjudicators. And we were, we were asking, you know, about how long does it take to adjudicate a ballot? And the number that they gave is about, you know, typically it could be like five minutes, could be 10 minutes. But sometimes it's like, it says, you know, it could be fast. And I said, well, what's the fastest you can adjudicate a ballot? And they said, uh, about 30 seconds. You couldn't really do it faster than 30 seconds because you imagine you're looking at a picture on a screen and you have two people and they have to come to an agreement. It takes at least 30 seconds to come to an agreement, right? So we said, okay, well, that's about two per minute. And you have 106,000 ballots, right? That's about 53,000 minutes, which comes out to, about, I think, like 883 hours. Right. So 883 man hours would have to be spent. And if you had 883 man hours, well, then, you know, think about how many teams you would need to run in order to do that in one day. The thing is, is that we don't have any record of this county doing that. And that's, that's doing the perfect 30 seconds for every single ballot. That is the absolute perfect you can do. Them yeah. doing it 24-7 and doing it in one day, it's physically impossible to adjudicate that many yeah. ballots. That's and what so, we're saying. That's a red flag. That's a red flag. Just common sense. Listen, you don't have to be a data scientist. Once you explain it that way, uh, it is, um, you know, common sense that uh, they couldn't have possibly done a good job on adjudicating if they had that many. And again, you're not making up that number. That's the official number that Fulton County gave the public uh, a day or two after the election. All right, let's go to another one that I think is interesting. It's caught my fancy. I think it caught the president's fancy last night. In Pennsylvania, uh, you found, I think, 400,000 errors, Justin, am I reading this right, across the state that uh, for which there isn't yet an explanation meeting, a machine kicked an error, and uh, we don't know why. Is that, am I reading that correctly from your report? Yeah, I can clarify that one. So this was sort of a, one of these system-wide um, identified flags we had in our, our sort of structured process I mentioned earlier. So as we you know took a look at this data, we did the data, typical data processing, where you're cleaning, you're merging, you're joining across data sets to make sure all of our timestamps, the values, the candidates are all aligned so that we can sort of take a, a broad, uh, you know, if we want to take a close look at it or a 30,000 view, we've got it all uh, structured and aligned. And what we saw in Pennsylvania, um, again, for reference, we didn't see these types of anomalies uh, 100% across uh, all states. There were a select set of states that exhibited these types of patterns. And specifically, when you look at you know, the five or six that have been in question, the, just the relative scale of these types of issues or errors we identified in the system were much greater magnitude. It's localized in these areas. So within Pennsylvania specifically, what we were able to, you know, discover by, you know, these, these analytic processes is that there are votes that are entered in the system. So we have a record log of votes being entered in the system at a, you know, time point A, call it 10 a.m. Um, then we see later at 1014, the votes that were just entered are either shifted, they're moved, or they're taken away. 
And as we know about voting, you can't unvote. You can only put in one vote. And as a group of people collectively add in and you have these, they're called batch updates where you have a group of people that have just voted in that, you know, that recency or added into the system, you can only go, go positive here. And sure, there'll be some errors um, or some, you know, possibly a few removals here and there. And we see that in, you know, some cases where there's maybe a, a, a correction of 33 votes, given out a number there. But the magnitude we saw here are, as you just mentioned, uh, sometimes 20,000 individually, 30,000, up to over 100,000. So the type of, you know, magnitude and scale with, you know, the consideration for how important a vote is, not, not in an, a group of votes, the fact that this is occurring is just, um, it, it requires a very, very explicit and detailed explanation, not just sort of a, a verbal voiceover, but, you know, from a programming standpoint, you want to know exactly what was going on, why did this occur, what was the cause, and if it's unexplainable, then that right there, as you heard, it's unexplainable. You cannot move forward with this type of, uh, you know, certification or processing yeah. because, if, again, if this were financial, um, you know, you, you put your money in your bank account and all of a sudden you put in 30,000 deposit, we'll use that for, you know, correlation for a vote number. And then they, you come back the next day and see you've only got $10,000 in there. You've made no withdrawals. No one made can no explain where the 20 payment. grand went, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you'd want to say, where, where did it go? You know, and you want to go to the bank and you'd want to, you know, escalate that, that uh, issue to get a, get a response. And, you know, we haven't had these types of responses, which you would get in industry. And if this were to happen in, in the industry, um, you know, it would become, you know, it would be, uh, it'd be all over the news because if a bank's just hiding or taking money from its its patrons, that's really not the way you want to conduct a business, let alone yeah, an election. That's right. But right. no, the thing it's... is, John, look, you know, John, we we called the bank manager, and the bank manager said that's just the way it is. Let's move on. You know, so yeah. like that's, that's the problem that we have with that is like we, you so know, you're willing I to cannot... accept and not be challenged, right? That's what these election exactly. officials are. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we've seen similar uh, uh, things. So uh, let me share one with you that we, we found under a FOIA. In Fulton County, there was an uh, urgent alert that went out to Fulton County from the Secretary of State's office saying, uh, there's a limitation to the data cards that we previously didn't know on voting machines. And if a voting machine gets to 10,000 votes, it can't count any more than 10,000. So you got to crack open the machine, take out the card, put a new card in, and then you store the other card until the end of the night. So I, I, that seems a reasonable thing, right? I guess no one thought that with this bigger turnout that any one machine would get 10,000 votes. And they thought, well, we're getting to that number. We better warn people. Except in Fulton County, they started cracking open the machines and taking them out when they reached 3,000 votes, not at the 10,000. So why would you need to take them out 7,000 votes ahead of the data card limit? This is not in dispute. It's on the record for the Fulton County election clerk. Uh, so, you know, these things went on and no one can give us an explanation. You found a lot of them. I think at the top line, right, when you look back, let's, I want to take a couple of big points. We've been hearing all throughout the COVID crisis, you got to trust the science, right? You got to trust the science. Medical and bioengineers do their science and we should trust the best science data. You took science here, right? This isn't some hocus pocus. This is the sort of science that a data uh, expert like your instructors and the master's program right now, uh, Dave, uh, uh, this, you're following scientific data structure to, to make these conclusions, correct? You're not making hocus pocus here, right? No, everything is tied back to the data. We've released all of our data. Um, we have all of our programming and processes are in the spirit of transparency we're making available. We encourage everyone to look at and replicate what we've done because we believe that the more people that can access and review this, the better. 
Um, so that's sure. why, yeah, absolutely. This is all based on logical sequential processes um, that we put into place on our side. This, this isn't hidden in the suitcase. It's out for everyone to, you know, data peer review, do what you need to do. That's one of its strengths. Um, and uh, I want to always like to say, what are the limitations? Of? So one limitation is uh, you are not, by your own acknowledgement, you're not making conclusions what happened, right? Who's responsible? You're just identifying all the instances in a data line, a data timeline where irregularities occurred that should be investigated. So this is like the predicate for a criminal investigation at the FBI, but you're not really assigning blame yet. You're just saying each of these moments need to be investigated and explained for us to have greater trust in the election. Is that right? Well, yeah, you know, John, Correct. it's kind of like, right, you know, we're looking, we're looking at a house, right? It's got the windows smashed and, you know, all the furniture missing inside. And we're just saying something happened here. We don't know who went in there and stole things, but we have these indications. Like you go in and you see the carpet indentations where there were once, you know, something there. It might have been a chair or whatever like that. But, you know, we see we see the indications that there were things in there that did happen. And these this is a. You know, this is something where we're, we're going to, for instance, you know, make an insurance claim on it. And then they're, they're, they're just saying, well, you know, everything's fine here. In fact, they didn't even come and take a look at the house. And they yeah. said that we're not allowed to enter the house and see inspect everything like that. You can only look through the window because it's in public view. And that's kind of like what we're at here, yeah. where they won't give us the, the, the actual data set from the Secretary of State. So we had to then go find a way that was publicly available to get the same data that the Secretary of State is running and that's that's the key thing. So I mean, it, it, it's a really they've really put us through a difficult process in figuring out how can we prove something without actually being able to issue a warrant or subpoena or anything like that. Right. You know, in in law enforcement terms, we might say that what you just uh, did was create probable cause for a full scale investigation. You know, broken window. Uh, and an alarm going off in the house would suggest maybe there was a break-in, right? It, you have found that level of evidence where now either gives an officer the right to go inside or to get a warrant. Uh, you, you've created a document that is, you know, a really probable cause document. Is that a fair way to look at this? Am I laymanning it too much, or is that a good way to look at it? I think that's the perfect way to put it because it's something that is only indicating that if you don't investigate this, that you are know. letting something possibly greatly damaging happen. And without that investigation, without any further, you know, it just, yeah, it warrants further investigation. That's that's the best way you could put it. Yep. And then and, and, I, and I was verifying. Yeah. No, oh, I sorry. I was just going to add to, I mean, you, you had please. mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, th- absolutely. This is sort of system agnostic. We're not talking about any one particular system. Right. We're looking at the data. So we're not saying it was this particular screwdriver that went in, you know, Jimmy opened the window and, and was able to get in that way. We're not saying anything like that. We're just saying we have the logs, the systems, the data, and that's all we're speaking to. And from that, that's enough to, as we've said, bring out these insights that, that warrant a detailed explanation. Yeah. Well, no. and the one thing I would add, though, is like if you liken this to, for instance, Enron, right, if they had been given the type of audit logs that we've given, to the public and also to you know certain legislators, even state legislators as well. If we had given up all this data to them, right? In the case of Enron, they would have seized all the computers. They would have started you know putting people in you know in, in, in detention and interrogating them because it's such a severe amount of indication of fraud. And yeah, that's we're not the talking thing a couple couple dozen instances yeah. you're talking about hundreds of thousands of questionable data data points or data actions over the course of a 12-hour day in four or five states right and that's it's in the hundreds well, no, of thousands we're, we're talking about there's there, this exists across at least 33 states of, of things wow. that we need to investigate the problem is 
is that from an analysis standpoint, you know, we're, we're, we're a really small group of, right, right. of folks that got together that just, you know, do this. And, you know, we're very careful about the data we put out there. So when that's the case, it takes us a long time to analyze and to, you know, come up, you know, talk things about, to, to debate amongst each other about why certain things are and to really form a, a solid analysis that we can we feel like we can each represent the data with you know publicly as this is how the, the, the election actually occurred and without yeah. without that kind of debate you know essentially internal inside of our team we're having the debate that people who are for this candidate or against this candidate should be having publicly but it, only one side is saying anything pretty remarkable That's- Yep, and it's like the witnesses are taking the fifth here. They won't. They won't let us inside and really answer the questions. Their answer is trust us. We're the election experts, so trust us. But you, you've put a lot of data out there. Now, uh, one other limitation I want to get to: you haven't yet had the chance to go back and see if these anomalies occurred in prior elections, which would be interesting. I think long term, is that something you might do in the in the future if you can get more resources? Absolutely. Yeah, just to add to there, there is other data we've been focusing, you know, our efforts, you know, time is an asset right now. So we wanted to focus on these high impact locations, but there are down ballot data sources available. There are other levels of, of analysis that we can do after we take care of, you know, the, what's most important now. So yeah, going back in time, looking down ballot, um, rectifying all of these issues is going to be something that will need to be done uh, going forward. Yeah, well, the thing a, is, John, is this point. is a, this is a kind of a this is a nonpartisan effort in the sense of like, look, you know, if a Democrat legitimately won a seat, I want that Democrat to sit in that seat. If a Republican legitimately won a seat, I want that Republican to sit in the seat. And what I see is that people that, that the data is showing that there is no legitimacy to the people that are now taking office, that are being sworn in as we speak. And that is such a that is such a, you know, a, a damning thing in, in terms of like being told to move on and that, you know, looking at the data and seeing that there's there's no way this could possibly be this way. Now, you know, we could look at the data and people could start, you know, basically uh, explaining some of these anomalies. And that that conversation is what where we need to start from. The problem is, is like, you know, we contact, for instance, uh, or testify at, uh, in Georgia. And what they do is they, they write an article on the Secretary of State's website that is uh, uh, talking about other people that testify. But they didn't mention a single thing yeah, about the data point. that we presented. You know, yeah. why? Uh, yeah. why? Yeah. All right, it's so very easy to verify, you know. We got a couple minutes left. I want to ask a really important question, and you guys, I really appreciate you. You've really done this in such a just say. There's no politics here. You're not trying to say Donald Trump won or Joe Biden won. You're saying the data sets that we want to trust because we're Americans and we pride ourselves on voting seem to have a lot of unanswered questions. But last question is: from where you are, you've identified all the things that need to be investigating as data scientists. What's the proper next step? How if people want to take this next step? If you're a chairman of a Senate committee or a House committee or a state legislator. What are the next things that need to happen to investigate all of the leads that you've now generated from your data analysis? I think, um, you know, I'll speak for myself and then let Dave speak on it. Uh, I, I just think from, from, from my end, you know, I believe that obviously there needs to be, you know, somebody to come in. Maybe it's a U.S. attorney or something like that. Somebody needs to come in with a subpoena power. They need to say, hey, halt what's going on you know seize the machines let's take a look at this stuff let's take a look at the servers let's take a look at all these things and you know the problem is is like i i want to i want to talk to that person because maybe there's a these processes are so complicated that they they might not know and might not get the right machines at different points you know but the problem is is i i also don't want to tip off people that want to be able to you know uh, essentially uh, destroy the audit trail even more so than it's already destroyed so at, at this point i would say you know we need to we need to basically take our data give it to somebody that has the ability to 
forensically audit all these pieces and figure out what actually happened. Now, the problem is, is you're also time constrained by the Constitution, which, you know, right. the, that important document, the Constitution. The clock is ticking. So, you know, absolutely. And so, you know, there's there's no, you know, we don't have recourse if certain things happen a certain way as yeah. far as if, if we find out other things that are wrong. And so, you know, we're kind of fighting against all these different things. And, um, you know, the answer is at this point is that people need to, one, call their legislators and let them know that you are listening and you're watching and that they're not going to take office if they're going to do it illegitimately and right. they're going to do it through cover up. You know, that's a, um, I think that's an important point. And I think some legislators are actually starting to hear that, which is why you're seeing legislators saying they're willing to oppose uh, what's going on in the six. Because, like you said, it's not about Donald Trump taking office. And we only had we could only focus our efforts on the presidential election because that was the biggest kind of, um, you know, the, this is the biggest part of this election yeah, that we a, have enough time to look at. But, you know, Super Bowl elections. Down, exactly. We look at all elections. We want a fair and free system where everyone's vote counts for what it actually is. And it's one of the most sacred rights that we have as Americans. You know, and people say that, but we really mean that. And we put our time and effort to make sure that somehow we can get to something like that. Uh, such a great point. All right, Justin, Dave, I can't thank you enough. First, for the work you've done, because I know this is tedious, hard work. I, I, I uh, minored in statistics in college, and then I did uh, exit poll supervision for the Associated Press for a long time. And data work is hard work. Your brain hurts some days when you're done. This is important work. And I think also you've done such a, easy, a good job of explaining to us lay people what you found and what's there. And we really wish you well in the future endeavor on this. Keep us up to date. We want to stay in touch with what you're doing over the next few weeks and months. Great. Thank, Thank you. So you. Much, I just want to say too, we've got, we've got a fantastic team that we, you know, just up and down horizontally, vertically, a lot, a lot of great skill sets that are able to make this happen. You sure do. I've, I've been able to learn a lot about it in the last couple of days. Folks, you've been listening to Justin Mealy and Dave Lebeau. They have been leading the data integrity group on an extraordinary and interesting scientific analysis of voting data in America. Some really important red flags that they have raised for us to be investigated. Now the question is, will members of Congress, will state legislators, will the FBI and others take a look at this and uh, give us the level of answers and confidence we need for future elections? Big question to be answered in the days ahead. Fellas, thanks again. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. All right, folks, we'll be back in a second to wrap things up for the day. We'll be right back. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, you heard two pretty extraordinary interviews, chock full of information and detail, firsthand participants in the history that's unfolding in America. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed that. Tomorrow we'll be back. I hope to have a member or two who's on the floor involved in the electoral process to weigh in. Uh, we'll get that done uh, if we can. And uh, we'll have other news and breaking news. Stay tuned. I hope to tonight on Just the News give you a little summary of the most cogent irregularities that are not in question. Meaning they're not in doubt. These things happen. It's not 
No one can dispute it. There are finality to them. When, so that when tomorrow you hear there was no irregularities, nothing that would change the election, you'll be armed at least with the facts to make up your own mind. That's all I want to help you do. We're going to get that done tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast, hopefully here for someone on the front lines. I bet you we'll bring in our congressional correspondent at Just the News as well. Um, he's fantastic. Uh, Nick does a lot of our great work, Nick Ballacy, and we'll have him here as well. So big day tomorrow. Tune in. We'll be giving you breaking updates throughout the day. Until then, have a blessed night with your family. Happy New Year. God bless you. God bless America. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports from Just the News.